satellite sharing deal, a $50 billion infrastructure push, and an economic framework, has the Quad finally got some teeth on Indo-Pacific strategy? That's a question we're going to ask. Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sohasini Heather. This is episode 63 being recorded on May the 27th, 2022. Now this week, the four leaders of the Quad, and that's US President Biden, Japanese Prime Minister Kishida, the new Australian Prime Minister Albanese, and Prime Minister Narendra Modi met in Tokyo for the second time for an in-person Quad summit. Of course, they've met on two occasions in interactions that were held virtually. And in the past year, through these four meetings, we've seen the Quad undergo a, a certain change from a largely strategic, even theoretical grouping based on ensuring a free and open Indo-Pacific to one with a number of specific tasks that it has set for itself in different, what are called different silos or pillars on COVID, on technology, on climate change and infrastructure, space and cybersecurity. We're going to tell you more about what they were able to achieve on each of those. But first, the question of what was the broader message that went out from this Quad Summit that was held in Tokyo. The first was really a statement of unity. The Quad Summit, remember, took place on a day that marked three months since the Russian war in Ukraine began. And despite deep divisions between India and the other three Quad members, Japan, US and Australia, over Russia's action as well as Western sanctions, remember India is not criticizing Russia's actions, is not taking part in the sanctions that the other three Quad members are. The joint statement that they issued at the end of the talks had no mention of Russia or Ukraine, it seemed at least. For now, they have papered over any cracks. You may have heard them in their opening statement. Some of the leaders spoke about Russia and Ukraine, but not really across the board and certainly not in the joint statement. The second big message is the importance of the Quad. For US President Biden, for example, his attendance at the Quad signaled his desire to reassure Eastern allies that despite the US's focus on the war on Europe, it is not going to lose focus on the situation in Asia. The fact then that the Australian Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, arrived just a day after he was sworn in as Prime Minister. He just won the elections over the weekend. This was also another big message on the importance of the Quad. India, meanwhile, continues to emphasize this importance while keeping its balancing act going. There's an SCO meeting of counter-terror officials that preceded the Quad. Next month, in June, Prime Minister Modi is expected to take part in a virtual BRICS summit along with the presidents of Russia and of China. The third big message then is that China is still the elephant in the room. It is not yet being openly talked about at the Quad, and certainly China was not mentioned in the joint statement. There was the customary reference to opposing coercive and unilateral measures that seek to change the status quo and increase tensions in the area, the dangerous use of Coast Guard vessels and maritime militia, and efforts to disrupt other countries' offshore resource exploitation activities. Certainly, that's a very pointed message at China, whether you talk about China's actions at the line of actual control or in the South China Sea. And then came US President Biden's remarks that the US will support Taiwan militarily if China is invaded. He said this in Tokyo. Listen in to just what he was asked and what he said. You didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are? That's the commitment we made. We are not. Look, here's the situation. We agree with a one-China policy. We signed on to it. And 
all the attendant agreements made from there. But the idea that that it can be taken by force, just taken by force, is just not is just not appropriate. It will dislocate the entire region and be another action similar to what happened in in uh, in Ukraine. And so it's a it's a burden that is even stronger. And then China's response came very quickly in a statement. The foreign ministry spokesperson said that China will fight foreign interferences. And then very soon after, Chinese and Russian jets conducted military exercises that flew right up to the Japanese airspace, even as the Quad meeting was getting underway. So very dramatic developments during the Quad. And then just before the Quad meeting, there was another big event that took place, the U.S. launch of negotiations for what it called the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework for Prosperity, called IPEF. And leaders of 12 countries in Asia and the region, including India, joined the U.S. president at the launch. And they will now take part in the talks to take the framework forward. The framework itself, remember, is not a trade deal, nor will it discuss market access or tariff reductions. It is significant, though, that seven of the 10 ASEAN countries, Southeast Asian countries, and 11 out of the 15 countries that form the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, or RCEP, which we've spoken about here at Worldview, they all took part in the launch. Remember, India, of course, is not in the RCEP. And of course, this is about more symbolism than substance, as RCEP is already in place with China and 14 countries of the Indo-Pacific committed to the free trade agreement. It encompasses about 90% of all goods traded in the region. It goes across 30% of the global GDP. Um, so there is that element that the IPEF may be seen as somewhat symbolic for the moment until there are any negotiations that show otherwise. But even so, it is the US's way of saying that even though it walked out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the CPTPP as it's called in 2017, it is back with a foot in the door at least towards these negotiations. So let's turn to the Quad meeting itself and take a look at what the leaders agreed upon in those meetings. And there were several parts to it, maybe about five or six various ideas. The first was, of course, on the strategic sphere. One of the questions being raised about the Quad has always been this lack of teeth on strategic issues. In October 2021, remember, a senior U.S. official visiting India, her name was Wendy Sherman, said that the Quad was a, quote, non-defense, non-military arrangement. Also in October, the U.S., of course, announced it would cooperate on defense and military issues, not with the Quad, but with Australia and the U.S. and the U.K., the United Kingdom. And this was called AUKUS. So this has all raised issues about what the Quad itself stands for strategically. At present, all Quad countries take part in the Malabar exercises, but it isn't held under the Quad rubric. What they did agree on then is this. The first, an Indo-Pacific Partnership for Maritime Domain Awareness. It's called IPMDA for short. This will collate satellite imagery from centers from far across the Indo-Pacific, from India, Singapore, Vanuatu, Solomon Islands, to offer what they call near real-time integrated and cost-effective maritime data or maritime mapping. They will track things like dark shipping, piracy, provide disaster relief at a pinch in the Indian Ocean, the Southeast a in Southeast Asia, as well as the Pacific Ocean. Second thing they agreed on strategically was a Quad Cybersecurity Partnership and even a Quad Cybersecurity Day where they said they will raise awareness about cybersecurity and the importance. And the third is to coordinate more closely on space observation programs 
and sharing information that they gather from putting their satellites together and, and, and space informations together. Uh, the second silo, if you like, after strategic affairs is infrastructure. And remember, this is some place where the Quad has been weak and the Quad countries did announce that they will extend or seek to extend is the wording, more than $50 billion of infrastructure assistance and investment in the, in the Indo-Pacific over the next five years. All four countries will put together $50 billion in the next five years. And then development bank heads, including the head of India's Exim Bank, Japan's Development Bank, all the rest met in Tokyo to discuss ways of streamlining lending for countries of the Indo-Pacific that need it. The third silo was one of COVID and health. Uh, remember, the Quad COVID cooperation plan was launched with much fanfare a year ago. The world was in the throes of COVID. Uh, it hasn't perhaps made as much headway as had been outlined at the time, but they agreed to continue to donate vaccines. About a fifth of what had been outlooked has been given so far. So about 265 million or 1.2 billion vaccine doses had been promised. Those have been distributed so far in the Indo-Pacific. They also agreed to continue a project for 1 billion doses of Johnson & Johnson vaccines, the U.S. vaccines at Hyderabad's Biological E facility. So far, actually, none have been produced in the past year as WHO's emergency use authorization listing approvals for the production of Johnson & Johnson at that facility in Hyderabad have not yet been received. They also held a Quad Health Group meeting convened on the sidelines of the World Health Assembly in Geneva this week as well. And that was seen as a kind of, you know, showing that the Quad can work on various issues in other multilateral fora as well. The fourth silo was critical technologies. And here you had a lot of signing, and I'm not going to get you into all the jargon, but you should basically know which of these agreements stand for what. So one was a memorandum of cooperation on 5G supplier diversification, making sure that as 5G is adopted in countries that they have options and they're not stuck with monopolies. The second was a common statement of principles on critical technology supply chains. That is for semiconductor supplies. And then there is the, the, the cooperation that they decided on, on open RAN radio access networks. So it's called Open RAN. And uh, this is for radio access networks, really. So these are all critical technologies where the Quad countries have agreed to actually cooperate on. And then the last, which always gets maybe a little sidelined, but it was important, a people-to-people -people initiative where Quad fellowships were announced that will bring 100 students from all four countries to the United States each year to pursue graduate studies in STEM fields, science, technology, economics, management fields. And uh, this is administered actually by a private company, something called Schmidt Futures. And then finally, the Quad leaders also agreed that they will meet again in 2023 in Australia. Presumably, that means India's turn to host the, the Quad in-person summit would come in 2024. So these are all the things that the Quad agreed on. Where were the Quad's big misses? The first, I'd say, is that the Quad still doesn't seem to put its money where its mouth is. At a time when the US is funding to Ukraine, in the past three months, for example, crossed $54 billion just in three months. The $50 billion in five years for infrastructure from four countries uh, certainly seems relatively like a small and unambitious figure. Quad fellowships, for example, are also privately funded and just 25 fellowships per country in Indo-Pacific economic framework as well. Not a quad venture, of course, but it makes it clear it's not a trade deal. So it's a little unambitious 
And we're not really seeing money come into the Quad initiatives quite as much just yet. It's basically about cooperation in the region. The second, that the strategic depth also still remains quite shallow. No Quad level military to military arrangements exist, for example, like the SCO has. And yet the rhetoric is increasingly one of countering China in the South China Sea. But how? Most of the ocean data sharing, space, cyber warfare cooperation, essentially these are coordination arrangements. They don't actually fund or build new initiatives yet. And then there is the question of COVID and vaccines. Several unanswered questions here. The US funding of a facility, for example, in Hyderabad, that has not yet produced any vaccines for the Quad. Johnson & Johnson, for example, that has been named in the Quad joint statement and the fact sheets has not actually received an indemnity waiver in India. It has not received that WHO EUL to be produced in India. And its US authorization from what's called the US FDA has also been limited because of worries over clotting and, and other side effects. The fourth big problem really is that India's differences on Russia, on its membership of the Russia-India-China trilateral, the BRICS, Brazil-Russia-India-China-South Africa grouping, the SCO, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, it still stands out. These are differences that have not yet really been sorted out just where India stands. And if it stands on both sides and both sides are seen as countering each other, then which way will India go? Even on China, in fact, the Quad members have very specific differences, despite various members raising China in their statements, for example, in the past, the joint statements haven't mentioned China directly. And even on Taiwan, take a look at this. For example, while all other Quad members, Australia, US and Japan, appealed for Taiwan to be included as an observer at the World Health Assembly this week, WHO, India actually did not, despite appeals from Taiwan, from others, that India should join this. The truth is, really, that the Quad is still very much a work in progress, driven mainly for the moment by top-down summits, so leadership level downwards. Much more is needed to give this what it calls itself a non-defense, non-military arrangement some teeth. India's contradiction between the Quad and in its maritime sphere and the SCO and BRICS on its continental sphere also remains unresolved. What seems obvious, as Prime Minister Modi has said on several occasions, is the Quad's intention to be a force for good and a growing number of areas to cooperate on. That is an area where we are seeing incremental growth. This is not the last you've heard of the Quad from me, and we certainly will be with you with more updates. But for the moment, let me give you some reading recommendations. And this is a book hot off the press, which I, I, I really do recommend. I've just finished reading it. It's called How China Sees India and the World. The Authoritative Account of the India-China Relationship by Sham Saran, former Foreign Secretary, National Security Advisory Board member as well, uh, and a very, very, very incisive author. Another book, which I may have spoken about, but it's quite recent, called Quad Plus and the Indo-Pacific, The Changing Profile of International Relations. It's a compendium edited by Jagannath Panda. Certainly very interesting details in there of what the Quad can be. Now, this is one on, on those like me who don't really understand all the critical technologies and what is needed there. It's called Great Tech Game, Shaping Geopolitics and the Destinies of Nations by Anirudh Suri. And another book, I think I've spoken about this before in a different context. It's called Blinkers Off, How Will the World Counter China by Gauri Dwivedi. And it really looks very much at the Quad as well as other uh, you know, arrangements in that.
And finally, there's strategic relations between India, the United States, and Japan in the Indo-Pacific, very important part of the Quad, when three is not a crowd, by Rupak Jyoti Bora as well. In addition, I should tell you, External Affairs Minister S. Jay Shankar has written a piece this week, in addition to his chapter I'd spoken about earlier in the book, Modi at 20, and he talks about the importance of the Quad. It's certainly worth a read, and we hope you do enjoy reading all of these recommendations and join us again here on Worldview. I do want to make a very, very special mention of Preeti, who's leaving us from this week onwards, who's been part of the team at Worldview. We wish her the best and we hope to see you once again. From the team here, thanks for watching.